Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We'll talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I will provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes at Movie Beat. First, I want to thank all of my past guests uh, for, for being fabulous this year and for all of my listeners and readers for tuning in and for spreading the word about Movie Beat to your friends and your industry connections. I want to thank you for your emails, your phone calls, your feedback, and your support. Uh, the official website is rexsykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. That's where there's blogs and casting information, uh, upcoming events, and where these interviews are archived. So if you're listening to this live... You can uh, make us a friend. You can uh, make us a favorite. You can leave comments. You can join the chat room because I've opened the chat room window. Uh, you can ask questions of my guest in the chat room or in advance by emailing me uh, with the name of the guest in the header and the questions in the body of the email. And that you can do through the contact page at rexsykes.com. Now, MovieBeat is really designed to be a resource for you, and that's why I connect you up with professionals who are making it happen. So keep in mind that uh, if you're listening live, to go and listen to the archived interviews, uh, and you'll find lots of great ones there. There's over 50-some interviews of professional filmmakers that you're going to want to hear. And before I bring on my guest, uh, I also want to say thanks for tweeting about the interviews and about the website. Uh, You have my full permission to share these links in their entirety, uh, common sense and good taste prevailing. Um, but share them. You can Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, uh, email, or by your favorite means. Um, spread the news about these interviews and about my guests, because really when you, when you uh, email or Twitter about the guests, you're helping promote them, and I sure appreciate that. Um, I'm going to just tell you about some upcoming guests, and then we're going to get into today's show. My next guest will be David H. Lawrence. He plays uh, the evil Eric Doyle on Heroes. Um, Michael O'Keefe is a writer, he's an author and an actor, and he'll be coming up shortly right there after that. John Mendoza is a comedian and actor. we get a lot of actors lately, and, uh, and I'm thankful for that. Screenwriter Dennis Fay will be after that. Uh, Reed Martin wrote a, a really fascinating book called The Real Truth. It's about independent filmmaking. We're going to be uh, doing a series. He comes up in, a, in just a short time. And Tim Oshansky is a location scout, and he authored a book called The A to Z Guide to Film terms. So he will be uh, coming up shortly. I've got sound designers, I've got more actors, I've got more producers and directors and, and people behind the scenes coming up after the first of the year. So you're going to want to stay tuned to Movie Beat and find out all about uh, my upcoming guests. I uh, hope you had good holidays and uh, I wish you the best for the forthcoming holidays, however you celebrate. My guest today, I'm really pleased. You know, I have got the best job in the world because I get to talk to fascinating individuals. Um, around the world, and, and one that I'm so pleased to be talking with today is Mr. Kevin Sorbo, and uh, he's back with us to talk about what he's been up to and to talk more about Hollywood and, and all sorts of different things. So, Kevin, are you there? I am here. Oh, welcome back to Movie Beat. It's so good to have you back here. It's, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Well, thank Kevin, you. I know you're the Milwaukee, and I'm going to segue really quickly to sports and kind of brag about my Minnesota Vikings, but then again, you're a Green <laughs> Bay Packers fan, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's where we left off the last interview. I think so we uh, did. <laughs> you know what? For you the to... Packers are still going to make the playoffs, so they're they're a very good team. Well, that's cool. That's very cool. Anyway, um, let's talk shop. Let's talk shop. You've been very busy since the last time we chatted. We chatted back what in August, I think it was, and since then you must have done seven, eight, or nine <laughs> different projects. Well, not quite that many, but I do have. I think. I think. Cumulative, I have that many coming out movies and or television shows coming out over the next over the next year. But yeah, I just finished uh, 
three months on the road where I shot a movie uh, in Greece, and then I shot a TV pilot up in Vancouver, and I just got back from Shreveport, Louisiana, shooting a uh, another movie. So, yeah, it's been busy. So uh, let me just ask you, which was your favorite location? Which was my favorite location? You know, Vancouver is only a week, but then I lived there for five years, and I, I love Vancouver. It's a great, uh-huh. it's a great city. Um, it was, it was fun to visit uh, Mykonos to visit Greece. You know, I mean, I've, I've been there before, but I've never been to Mykonos, and I went to an island. On, uh, we were shooting six day weeks, so it was a pretty, pretty tough schedule as it usually is on the road. But um, on Sundays, I, I would travel around a little bit, and I got down to Delos, which is only about a half hour boat ride, and. Um, Wow. Of Mykonos, and it was just fantastic. I mean, the ruins there are up to 9,000 years old, and you're just just amazed. I mean, how did they know 9,000 years ago that Delos was the center of all the islands in Greece? I mean, they, they built it there. They knew that was the center. And, you know, how did they figure that stuff out 9,000 years ago? That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's Absolutely. And the, and the room, I took beautiful pictures. I mean, it just, it's just, I mean, well, I just had to snap, but the beauty was already there. So it was just, uh, it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Wow. You know, I think the the larger question is, how did they know 9,000 years ago you were going to be there this past year? You know, I was Hercules, for crying out loud. So they figured, <laughs> you know, there, was, there, was, there were some Hercules statues around there and all that stuff. It was pretty cool. There you go. There so, you I mean, go. The ruins, uh, they, were, they were from, you know, anywhere from 1,000 years old to 9,000 years old. I mean, Delos was really the center for a long, long time of the whole Greek island. Wow. That is fascinating. Yeah, and exactly. then, and then from from Mykonos, you came back to Shreveport. Is that correct? No, I went straight up to Vancouver. When, when Mykonos, I shot a. It's a half hour. It's not a half hour. It's a. It's a uh, Australian comedy called The King of Mykonos. Okay. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. They're going to have the premiere down in um, Australia sometime in uh, late spring, early summer. Out there, fly me down there for that, so I get to return to the deep south pacific where people that know me know that i spent seven years down there shooting hercules and i, I spent a lot of time also in australia so i'm looking forward to get back down that way and um it was fun it was just it was fun it was a it was a very slapsticky comedy uh it's a it's a follow-up to um one i guess that was done about seven years ago called the wog boys w-o-g and um, same actors that they had the same writer producers great guys and then uh, after finishing that, I went directly to Vancouver to shoot a half-hour comedy called um, Wolf Canyon, where it's a show within a show, um, much like you know Thirty Rock or uh, you know oh, what's that? What was that other show that they had? There was Sunset Studio, Sunset Sixty. What was that show they had on for a while? Oh, the uh, Studio Sixty and Sunset Strip. Studio, yeah, like the that? one with Matthew Perry and those guys. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of it's in along that that vein. It's a half-hour comedy where I play a. Um, an actor who's playing a sheriff in this um, in this show that nobody nobody uh, the studio wants to get rid of, but the audience likes it. You know? So uh, <laughs> it was very it was very funny. And then from there, I went down to Shreveport and I shot a 3D thriller where I uh, did something different for me. I play a bad guy. Awesome. It was kind of fun. You know, I we just finished shooting that. It was. The, the brutality of that was the last four weeks we were working nights. They'd pick me up around 3 or 4 in the afternoon, and we'd crawl to bed around 7 or 8 every morning. So the, the, crew, by, the crew by the second week of those, uh, and myself included, we were all just getting pretty beat up. And, uh, wow. It was, and it, was, it was chilly. The days were nice, but it was cold at night. And uh, we're like, oh, can't we make this daytime? But I guess to scare people, it's got to be night. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you were also pushing around the bayou, right? I mean, you were out in the... We were. We did some, uh, it's called the Black, this is the Black Bayou. It's just north of Shreveport there by about an hour or so. Um, and we got to do some work in the bayou, which was pretty cool, and uh, paddling along in this little boat and stuff. And uh, it, was, it was, you know, thank God the alligators were all, uh, they're all sleeping this time of year, so there was nothing out there. <laughs> But it was uh, it was it was pretty neat. It was just it's beautiful. It's just, it's such is a, that how they sell you on it? Is that they go the alligators will be sleeping? You no, don't have to worry. No, told or? me no, no, no. I've been around those guys before. I've golfed enough, enough down in the south uh, uh, southeast. I've I've had a few <laughs> golf balls roll up next to them. I'm going. You know what? You can keep that ball. Don't need it. <laughs> but um, no, it was uh, it was really just a chance. I really liked the script a lot. I mean, it was, a, uh-huh. it was like this is a cool script and. You know the thrillers. People love that stuff, and they, they do well. Everything from the 
from Saw to The Sixth Sense, you know, that covers, you know, the variety of what a thriller would be, in, you know, in, entailed with. So I mean, it was it was neat. It was a lot of uh, it was a lot of fun for me to sort of wear that hat for a while. Well, I mean, you've been you've been a, a god. You've you've been only a half you know, god. Super, well, a half god, but you've been <laughs> superheroes. Is what I tell the ladies, but that's a different story. <laughs> I'm not going to go there, but okay. Uh, um, <laughs> I understand. No, it was fun. Uh, I, this, I'm going to segue again because when I, when I was when I was playing Hercules, I mean, I was I was a bigger guy then. You know, I'm just a mere mortal now. I'm down to 250. Uh-huh. Now. Probably 235. <laughs> I was working out every day, and I was you know I was kind of a big guy, and um, you know I couldn't go out to a bar or a pub just to watch a game and have a beer without somebody want to come and pick a fight with me. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. And I would just go do it. It's just a TV show. I'm an actor. You know, it's like I'm really, I have God. And then, then I would out all that. Well, from the waist down, I am. But beyond that, it's like, you know. And then they call you names, and it's just, you know, it's just the male insecurity. It's just kind of funny to me. You know, we're us males. We're so insecure with our manhood, and we prove how tough we are all the time. But just, it just kind of cracks me up. And uh, it's funny. Tell guys, it's a TV show. That's it. I'm not really Hercules, okay? But you know, they but you did. You you played the half god, and you've played you know uh, other incredibly physically Captain active. Star you know, I mean, yeah, huh? You know, action stars. But you've also played like family parts and all this. But this, but this, you say is is more of a departure for you to play the the bad guy. Yeah, I never got to. This is a pretty bad guy, you know. I never got to play this dark before, and I, I just noticed some fans got upset about that. But I said, you know, you're an actor. You kind of want to try different things for a change. And I've been doing the same, not the same thing, but I've been playing pretty much nice guys my whole life. And I've been playing some. Um, maybe I should turn up my phone for you there. And uh, I just said, you know, just this is going to be kind of fun for me. It's, it, it's you know, I, there's a movie. What was that movie called? In the Line of Fire, I think, with John Malkovich right. and Clint Eastwood. Sure. I love that bad guy he played, man. You know, he played this very interesting, uh, subtle, just evil guy. And I said, you know, I want to play a part sort of like that one day, you know. And this this actually is a little a little more evil than the one he played, but it's still awesome. it's in that vein of playing somebody a little different. Well, I, I think, you know, you know, it's, it's often been said that, you know, bad guys just seem to be either better written or maybe better portrayed uh, would would be more accurate. I mean, it, it seems there's more room for thinking. You know, there's more room for. Well, I think I think people have a there's a curiosity. I think most people are inherently are good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we obviously have evil in the world, and it doesn't take much. I mean, you look at the terrorism that's going on now. Sure. It doesn't take a large group of people to terrorize billions of people. I mean, right, uh, right. It's obviously working. You know, so um, I, I think there's there's sort of some sort of twisted interest in why people get to that point. Uh, hopefully most of us don't ever want to be like that, and I, I'm, I'm sure that we're not. But, uh, the, you know, the, the, the dark side is, is everybody's got a little dark side, and I, I think that most people are intelligent enough to keep those those feelings and that dark side in check. But uh, there are those, of course, that, that don't, and then they do what, like, this guy recently did, you know, this Hassan guy going in and killing a bunch right. of Marines on his own base. Um, Sad, yeah. You know, they're there. I mean, all the signs were there, but, you know, with our political correctness, we didn't pay attention to it, unfortunately. And uh, this guy, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, now they'll put him on the cover of Time magazine and give him a lot of airplay, which is too bad. But that's the way we're kind of operating right now in this world. It's pretty strange, huh? It is pretty strange. Um, now, the name of this movie, just so that people can, can watch for it when it's when it's due out... Um, it's called Julia X. Julia X. Julia and, X. And, and those who have Internet access can look it up on IMDb. Yep. Yep, um, now, I, I do have, I have a question. I have a question you know, from, from, the, from the chat room. Um, someone claims that you've got a great singing voice <laughs> and want to know if you're ever going to consider doing a musical. I oh, I would ask. You know what? I would love to do a musical. I would have a problem with that. That seems like to be a big ticket right now. You know, they got Glee on TV and... Right. Um, I've heard rumors they're doing. They're going to make Wicked into a feature film, and uh, uh, you know, I'm not. I, I'm certainly not trained to be a singer. I mean, I like to sing. I think I can carry a tune. I play a little guitar. I play a little piano. I kind of do it for myself, oh, cool. on my own, with my kids. But um, I actually got invited years ago to sing at the Grand Ole Opry when I I played a, a country song, 
in front of my old manager at the time and her friend who's from Tennessee, and I had no idea that she was somebody who had connections to Grand Ole Opry. And when I sang, you know, just strumming along in the living room, and she said, I want to bring you back to the Grand Ole Opry. And, of course, I chickened out. And I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I'm, I'm ready for that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, keep Correct, your day job. Correct, keep your day job is one of the things that kind of stuck <laughs> in my mind, so to speak. Well, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't didn't you play guitar or something in in uh, was it a maybe you should correct me if I'm wrong? Uh, a TV, was it one of Andrew Stevens movies or a TV movie? Or, or is it? I've strummed in a couple different things, you know, but um, I've done you know nothing that's you know worth worth making a, 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 D, a CD about. But um, okay. I, I I certainly enjoy it, and when, if it comes down to it one day, yeah, I wouldn't mind doing it. I. I actually sang on the Wayne Brady show. He talked me into getting up and singing. I did an Elton John song, and uh, it was it was fun. It was fun just to sort of go, okay, there's millions of people watching. How stupid can I make myself look? But, um, <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I just go the heck with it, but then other times my uh, I do get shy about occasional things because I, I don't want to, you know, I embarrass myself enough in my life. I don't have to do it that way either, so... <laughs> well, you got a strong fan base. Well, that's they're, they're, they've been actually very supportive. They're great. A strong, and, and I was going to say, and a very loyal fan base. So you know, yep. uh, true. Um, uh, so now, but you also you also have something um, uh, a pilot, another pilot for a potential series. I do. I leave mid January um, for back to Vancouver. And I've had this pilot in my. Uh, I have a production company now that I started about a year and a half ago. And my old uh, producer from um, Andromeda, one of the producers from the BLT company, uh, Josanne Lovick, um, called me up uh, well over a year ago and talked to me about this this pilot and this, this uh, script she had. And I fell in love with it immediately. It's it's awesome. It's called The Handyman, and it's in the vein of uh, of you know it's an action action uh, drama. It's in the vein of Twenty Four. If you're going to compare it to whatever's out there right now in television. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, there's more action, there's more drama to it. There's more. It's, it's darker. It's a darker show, and uh, it's um, it'll end up on cable. It won't be. Uh, it you know, it won't end up in on regular television because of the. Um, I've always wanted to do something like this as well, and I really uh, I'm a fan of 24, and this is uh, you know success copies success. It's the way Hollywood operates. Sure. But this is a really it's a really well written script by Michael Sloan, who wrote the series The Equalizer. He was oh, cool. a showrunner and creator of the Kung Fu series with David Carradine, the second one, second go around. And um, it's really good. I mean, it's really good. I'm excited to do this. We start shooting January, I think it's January 11th or 12th in Vancouver. It's a three week oh, fabulous. And, uh, we'll put it together as a two hour movie. Um, also called The Backdoor Pilot, which a lot of people are doing now. And. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with it. I, I, I'm knocking on wood. I, I just honestly believe this is a seven-year hit. I, I really do. This is this is got the makings. Um, we have Peter Fonda on board. Awesome. And, uh, I believe we're getting Trisha Hilfer, who was the the tall, sexy blonde from uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Very good actress. Okay, sure. So um, yeah, we'll see what and, happens. And this is your production company. Uh, my production company is attached to it as, as well as a BLT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you, for the listeners, would you explain the, the idea of a backdoor pilot when you say a movie backdoor pilot? Well, a lot of people now because because what, what's going on with the networks now, um, even in the cable world, but the cable world is, is a whole different beast, and I think they've done a better job of one-hour dramas than um, network television has. Uh, oh yeah, I would you certainly know I mean? agree. From with everything that. from Sopranos to Mad Men to uh, Dexter to all Absolutely. that stuff. I think there's a much right. bigger, interesting variety in cable than there is on network. And uh, that's why network keeps doing more of these stupid reality TV shows and, you know, putting Jay Leno on the clock and, you know, and taking, taking <laughs> five, five one hour programming away. So. Can but, I interrupt? I just asked this. When you say cable, do you mean like uh, Showtime and HBO? More or AMC? HBO, FX, Sci Fi. FX, AMC, okay, okay. AMC, yeah, you're including. All that, yeah. All right, exactly. great. I think FX is is incredibly brave and has just incredible shows on it. You know, for yeah. a commercial uh, cable well, channel, it's just awesome. Well, that's where we're hoping Handyman ends up on. Oh well, that's a, yeah. a good a good place for it. Yep, it, it would be. It'd be perfect for them actually. 
But so what, what a backdoor pilot is and wh- why these are happening more and more is, um, so I know I sort of got off track there, was what's going on with the networks right now is that, you know, as recently as, as four years ago, they used to put out 20 to 30 pilots a year, new TV shows that they would test, and maybe six or seven or eight of them would get picked up. And then they invariably would fail within a year or less. But uh, since they're only doing four or five years, and basically you're shoving down the throats of the viewers saying, this is what you're going to watch, um, what a backdoor pilot is, it, it's at least a movie is being made. They're making People are making two-hour uh, movies and selling them. They, you know, they're doing them basically independently and, and, and selling them once the movie is done. They'll bring them out to the networks. They'll bring them to the cable. People have a look at them. They'll go, you know what, I really like this. Let's buy it as a two-hour movie. And maybe somebody in the studio says, you know, I want to make a series out of this. Or the, they air it as a two-hour movie and they get really good ratings on it. They get great response from the fan base out there. And they say, okay, let's make a movie out of this. So it's like a backdoor pilot. It's not. It's meant, hopefully, to be made into a TV series. But if not, they're still going to make their money back just airing it as a two-hour movie and hopefully even getting a DVD release or getting foreign usage for it as well. So that's sort of where the term backdoor pilot comes from. Excellent answer. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. <laughs> well, you know you are busy, and um, and you said this is. A, do you play uh, when when you say it's like 24? Then you, this you're back to kind of an action hero. Um, yes, kind of like role. Jack Bauer ta- character, only taller. <laughs> Much taller, so, I understand. <laughs> so, um, no, it's it's it's. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's an ex um, CIA operative. Uh, is now uh, basically working for himself in a way. He's a handyman and such that he works at this uh, upscale um, apartment complex where he does fix the toilets and the sinks and stuff like that. So he's the handyman in that way. But people don't realize, because he was like a James Bond type of guy, people don't realize what he does basically at night. And uh, there's a law firm that hires him quite a bit to like, yeah, like like the law firms are good guys, but anyway, there's a law firm yeah. that hires them to actually do do good to go outside mm-hmm. the uh, court system. Right, right. I think all of us. That's why I think movies like uh, was it Gran Torino and what was the one with Liam Neeson. I think and 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 uh, mm-hmm. sort of harkens back to the uh, Charles Bronson days of Death Wish. I think there's sure. a lot of people out there, especially in the male world, that are good people. And they have fantasies and dreams about, you know what, I'd just like to walk down there and take out all those punks, the people that rape and murder and molest children and all that stuff. And this is the type of guy that does that. I mean, if I'm in a room with a guy that's raped and murdered a dozen women, I'm the only one who's going to walk out of that room. That's this guy's character. And and I think you're right. I think it's a lot of people's fantasy. And hopefully it'll stay that way. There's no question. I mean, we can all sit here and, you know, and, and just telepathically wish that every terrorist in the world would just disappear. Right. Uh, you know, there's some people who want to protect them for some reason, but there's, most people <laughs> would just say, you know what, if we can just get rid of these bastards, it'd be wonderful. And right. I, I, I think that's that, that's what this show does. I mean, Jack Bauer works that way, too, if you think about it. I mean, he's a guy tired of the system holding him back, and that's what this guy does. It's like he, he works outside the uh, redefined constitution, so to speak, you know, because we're always... We're always kind of changing the meaning of words. I mean, I was I was in a situation one time where, where um, I was uh, uh, in a in a um, mediation room for the uh, contract I had, and one of the lawyers actually said, "This is from Universal Studios." Um, when we said our definitions are all exactly the same, here all the definitions of these contracts are the same, and he said, "Well, all depends how you define the word definition." Oh, geez. Yeah. So there you go. So. Um, this this is a guy, uh, my character, who says, you know what, I'm done with this, I'm tired of this, this is a bad person, these are not good people, and uh, sorry, but I'm going to do what most people want to have done here. And that's why I really like the character a lot, and I, I was really drawn to it. There's a lot of great little sidelines to it uh, to show that this guy does have a heart as well. Um, it's just it's a wonderfully written script. Uh, Michael Sloan did a great job. Uh, that's amazing. Um, you know what, Kevin? I'm going to take a break now, as opposed to in the next few minutes, and I'm just going to take this break long enough to to tell people that they're listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official site is r e x s i k e s dot com. Be sure to go there if, if you're listening to this live and subscribe using the RSS feed at the welcome page, and then you'll always be updated to changes on the website and interviews like the one we're having today with Kevin. And please feel free to email me. 
uh, questions for my guests, and if you hear of anything coming up before I do an event, premier or a networking um, party or something, uh, email me, and I'll, I'll investigate and try and get it up on the website in a timely fashion. All right, so I want to come right back here to uh, our conversation with you, Kevin. Um, now that that's out of the way, I don't have to worry about um, uh, interrupting you. But I, I wanted to ask, in, in the last interview, I said, you know, what trips your trigger? Acting, directing, producing, you know, you've worn a lot of hats. Today we're talking a lot about the, the kind of roles that you've just done recently. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you, um, what, what kind of criteria, what, what selection criteria do you have for choosing a role or, or for becoming involved in a project? You know, you're you're... You're a celebrity. You're a highly visible uh, actor, which is unlike you know many others. You know, we, you know who are you know they get to go on audition and uh, you know with the cattle call kind of thing, and they and they get weeded out. And but I mean, you know, everybody would like to be in a position where they're receiving scripts or projects and 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 turning them down. Um, I, and I don't want to overspeak or state you know what your situation may be, but but what you know. If you come on to a project, you're bringing you, you're bringing Kevin Sorbo to the project. So what criteria do you have for choosing or not choosing something, or what, what trips your trigger that interests you? Like, like I mean, the, the bad guy role, it sounded like that was really cool because, you know, something maybe you hadn't done before and you could bring something to it. So, Well, you know, it, it's, it's funny because it, 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 all sort of, it all sort of varies. Yes, I mean, there are certainly scripts that are just sent my way and they say we want you to do this movie and they're flat-out offers. But there are situations where I still have to go and audition like anybody else. Uh, the best thing that's happening, I guess, because of Hercules and Andromeda, I get to bypass the uh, casting directors, unless they're a really huge name casting director. But I mean, and I don't mean that in a negative thing toward casting directors, but I, right. I, I get the chance to meet the casting director with the producers and the directors of the film. Um, I just don't always think... I, I, actors have the same frustration and I went through all of that as well. I'm still going through it, just not to the degree I used to, where you have to get by a casting director first to get to a director. And I don't think that the casting directors on their own are always going to be right in deciding who is going to be. I think they're going to be right most of the time, but they're not going to be right all the time. Because um, I've had this happen before where the director saw me uh, after the casting director said no, and it just happened to be a fluke at a restaurant, and came up to me and said, have you read for my movie yet? And I said, well, I did, but your casting director didn't like me. And he said, but you're perfect for it. <laughs> so right. that does happen, and that's the frustration of this business, that the channels you have to go through and and try to get a job, um, it's 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 just it's dry, it's maddening. And the, the casting process is horrible for actors. You walk into a room... You can have one, two, three, up to ten people in that room sitting on couches and chairs with a little camera on a little tripod um, sitting on the desk, and then they're going to read to you as you stand up against a white wall. And it can be an action scene, a love scene, whatever, but you're there by yourself. And you 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 really have to go in there and try to do something that grabs their attention because for the most part it's the process of elimination. They're walking in and they're looking at you in a negative way. There's nothing positive about the casting process because they already have an idea of what that person's going to look like and what they want that person to look like. So uh, they, they, just, they just don't, they, it's just amazing to me that you've got to walk in that room, you've got to walk in that room, and you've got to do your best to try to uh, make them pay, pay attention to you. It's just and, nothing. It's 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 horrible. It's a horrible process, and to this day, I still hate it. My wife, my wife has often told me, she goes, "You're the best known person outside of Hollywood." It's like if I walk in there, because uh, Hollywood has this preset idea on me, and I've got to walk in there and prove to them over and over again that yeah, I can do something different. And almost invariably, they'll call my uh, agent or manager and go, "You know what? Yeah, he nailed it. He was really good." It's like they're shocked that I could actually do something other than throw a punch at a guy. You know, so uh-huh, right. it just it was, it was I don't know. It was interesting. It's just and it still is to this day. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I had a casting last week. I'm up for a part in the Green Lantern, but I don't know what's going to happen with it. But Ryan Reynolds guy has the lead in it, but I you know I read the script, the part I read for, it, I'm perfect for it. And, and the action stuff I've done. I mean, here, here's what they're looking for. We want somebody over six foot tall who's recognizable name, who has a commanding speaking voice and is able to do his own fights. And I'm going, gee, I wonder if I fit that category. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but I still had to go in and read for it, and there's been no feedback a week later, so I'm thinking, all right, they're not interested. You know, so it's just, it's, 
it's it's a weird it's a weird it's a weird business. It's a weird town. And it's called show business, but sometimes they don't pay a part they pay attention enough to the business part of the show business. You know, so it's. Uh, what do you think they need to change there? I mean. Well, I just think they need to get some common sense. I mean, it's you know Hollywood's Hollywood's strange. I mean, right now they're in this whole thing, and actors are talking about it, just not out there in public now. And I'm going to give it to you right now. What's out there? The American actors are frustrated right now because there's a lot of wonderful American actors, but you have to either be from Canada, England, or Australia to get a job in Hollywood right now. I mean, That's I, amazing. The list goes on and on. If you actually checked out where all these people are from, from oh, Ryan yeah, Reynolds yeah. to Christian Bale to. Hugh Grant, or whatever, they're all from different countries. What Hollywood has in their mind, especially if you're Canadian, I mean, especially if you're Australian or English, if you have an accent of some kind, then you're a more superior actor to an American actor. Yet, when you get those parts, they say, okay, now please speak in an American accent. You know, so. I, yeah, I, I gotta be honest with you, I, was, I, I watched Damages, and uh, on, I think it was on FX, and I watched the show, and I, I record for my kids, you know, um, I forget. I can't even think of the names of the show right now. But uh, these movie making movie shows, you know, on on cable or whatever. And they had the the lead actress. I can't think of her name from the show. And I wasn't watching. I was doing I was doing something on the computer, and I heard what was almost this Cockney accent. And I was like, "Who is that?" And I look up, and my gosh, it's the woman who's starring as the young American girl in the law firm. And I was just like, I had no clue. I mean, I had yep. no idea. But yeah, it is. It is rampant. You're absolutely correct. You're well, right. It, it happens. All, but for us to go and work in their countries, forget about it. It's, it's near impossible. Well, you're going to be shooting up in Vancouver, but but they have a cap on how many Americans, uh, how many U.S. citizens can oh, come yeah. up and work. Oh yeah. There's no. There's no question. I mean, we. I mean, like shot Andromeda up there it was an American show with American money. Can, Canada came in and, and gave some certainly money with the tax credit. That's why people are going up there. But the uh, of the six actors of the seven actors, only two could be American. And the entire crew and all the directors had to be Canadian, and yet you're bringing American money up there and supporting the uh, economy of Canada. It's, it's, it's weird to me that it has to be that high a percentage. I understand a little give and take, but there's not much give and take there. No, I had a friend who was doing a series up there, and he said, "I'd love to have you up," and I can't. You know, he was just like, "I can't." You know, we, you know, we can't get you in. So I mean, I understand. I mean, it's a tough. Tough thing. Tough. I mean, but other other states are starting to realize and look. Okay, I mean, certainly Louisiana and Texas and Iowa and Michigan and all these other states now are putting tax credits out there to draw more business away from from L.A. But it's also drawing more business away from Canada because they're looking. Oh my gosh, I get a great tax credit here and keep work in America, um, and that's happening as well. And you know, not to diss the uh, Canadians because I'll tell you, they got great crews up there. And they're very grateful for the work that's coming there, but they certainly feel the bite a little bit as well. I'm sure they do. That that you know, more and more states are now coming up with their own tax credits. I mean, I'm still shocked that you know California does nothing about this runaway production because it's a huge problem. They keep losing more and more work, not just to Canada but to other states because you know Schwarzenegger being. I mean, I'm sort of shocked that he's sort of sitting on his hands being an actor himself in terms of trying to you know change the. Uh, the the format of what's the you know what a cost to shoot here I mean because you know this this state is not a cheap state California it's not a, a cheap state to shoot in that's why it's mostly just sitcoms that are being shot here and yeah you get the occasional 24 but you know that's a show that's few and far between uh, just because the numbers well, it, it generates it what amazes me is I mean you know and I'm I, I'm very much in agreement with you because we championed a fight for the state incentives in the state of Wisconsin and. Uh, the governor kicked us to the curb on that, and so we went from having uh, 25 productions a year ago in 2008 to one out-of-state production, uh, No God, No Masters, came in with David Strathern uh, last year. And there are none that I know of right now currently uh, for next year in 2010, and our governor is leaving after he's dismantled our incentive program. But what I don't think a lot of people realize is what you just said, and that is that Canada... God love them. They got great, great talent up there. But, but there is a cap, and only so many U.S. citizens can work in a pro- project. And the point of incentives here is not just, you know, government financing a film, which I think is is how people misunderstand it. But if putting U.S. citizens to work in in an industry within the states and in the cities of the U.S. that that would else would otherwise go elsewhere or go out of the country. Well, you know, I shot. I think. 
last time we talked, because I, I, I was in uh, Michigan. I shot a movie in July. Did we talk uh-huh. about that? Right. Uh, we didn't. We touched on it, but we didn't. We, we didn't really yeah, address we, it. We shot in a little town called Manistee, Michigan, just outside of Traverse City, about an hour south. Um, beautiful town, but hit very hard with the economy. And the people that we got on there as extras and stuff like that all came up to me and said, thank you for shooting here, thank you. Because, you know, it brought a couple million dollars into that economy by us being there for those three, four weeks. And you look, oh, at, you look at your government officials in other states going, oh, we don't need that. You're going, well, so you'd rather have no money at all than make some money? I mean, it's 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 a weird mentality. It's a very strange approach to any kind of, you know, uh, you know, resurgence within the within the uh, the state. It's just it's strange to me. Why wouldn't you put that out there? Would you rather have nothing? So you know, it's 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 there, and we, you know the crew was great, and the movie is called What If. It's a faith based film. I don't know when it's going to come out. I think they've moved it later in the year now because they want to make sure they do it right in terms of publicity. It's a wonderful film, and um, with um, I was with John Ratzenberger and Christy Swanson, the original. Oh, cool. Buffy the Vampire, and everybody knows John, yeah. of course, from a number of things, but mostly, of course, from from Cliff, from Cheers, the Postman. And, right. Uh, it was a great film. It was a romantic comedy, and it was just uh, it was a lot of fun to shoot up there, and the people were fantastic. Awesome. Um, hey, can I can I interrupt just a second to have you say? And I wouldn't normally do this, but we've got a listener from Greece who said she's having a hard time hearing and and didn't know and wanted to know about news of Legend of the Seeker. And I know we were talking about that earlier. Right. Uh, so uh, maybe you just say hi <laughs> to Greece. Hello, Greece. I had a wonderful time there. It was uh, Mykonos. The food is fantastic, and uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun. So That's she wants me to talk about Legend of the Seeker. Yeah, it, it just said any news on Legend of the Seeker after after. Um, well, you know, they offered me a part. I'd be down there right now shooting it. They wanted me to show up a couple of days ago. Um, these oh, are this is old, the uh, this is this other. Yeah, this is my old bosses, Sam Raimi and Rob Taffert, uh-huh. and uh, they called me a few uh, like three four weeks ago when I was still in Louisiana and said, "Look, we got this part for you on Legend of the Seeker." And I know of the show. I mean, I checked it out because Michael Hurst, who played Eolus on on Hercules, with me down there. Uh, in New Zealand, he um, has been directing some. He, so he called me up to take a look at it. So I watched it. He said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Well, it's it's Hercules without any humor, you know. So it's a, it's a much more serious type of show. But uh, the look and feel of it, I was like, going, oh my God! It's like the same stunt guys, the same the same costume designing. I mean, it's uh, it looks it looks so similar to Hercules. Um, and they're just trying to, you know, they're bringing it back from a series of books that um, sort of had that same feel and same time period in a way." But, uh, you know, I'll be quite frank with you. I mean, the money they offered me was a joke. I mean, they, they wanted to pay me uh, for the one episode less money than what they paid me for the first year of Hercules back in 1993. And I went, really? I mean, I worked seven years on that show with you guys, and here it is 16 years later, and you're offering me less money than what I made for one episode back in 1993. So, you know what? I turned it down. They said, not, you know, I've been on the road for three months. It wasn't worth my time to go all the way down there and, uh, and you know, just to give what they offered me, plus lose another, you know, 70% of it to the government and my managers and agents and come back with, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it wasn't worth my time. And I just thought, I was kind of insulted by it, to be honest with you. I just said, you know, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it's just, it was a little ridiculous. So I, I passed on it. Well, this actually kind of feeds back to the question that I had about the criteria for choosing roles as well. I mean, because besides there being an artistic side to it, uh, you know, what you want to do as a performer, there's also the business side to it, and sometimes those will conflict. Hey, we still got mortgages to pay, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like right. I just did I – did, I did the – to answer, yeah, to continue with along that segue, when I did Julia X – the thriller I just shot, it's a 3D, by the way, it's a 3D movie, the one I shot in, wow. in Louisiana. Um, I did it because I liked the script. I liked the character. That's why I took it. They paid me nothing. I got paid on that show. What I got paid on that show um, for six weeks is what I used to get paid on Andromeda for three days. Wow. Wow. I kid you not. So I, I, so, so I did that show way, way below my rate, and I did it because I wanted to do a part like that. That's why I did it. 
And, uh, yeah, right now the economy is being used as a weapon. There's no question. The studio knows it. I mean, I'm still most, – most of these lower-budget movies that I've been doing are anywhere between $1.5 to $3 million. That budget, that, they used to be the same way two, three, four years ago. They haven't gone down. But what the producers are doing is they're taking advantage of the fact that actors want to work. There's less work out there. So they're offering a lot less money, and they're saying take it or leave it because there's other recognizable names and faces out there that will take it if you don't. So they're just basically putting more money in their own pocket because the, the, the budgets are the same. The budgets aren't going down. And, but, yes, so that's a good less. point. Pardon me? That's a, no, that's a very good point. I mean, that the budgets aren't... No, you know, no. They're, they're still, the $10 million and less films are still out there, just as much as they've always been out there. They're, what they're doing less of is the, is the 50 to $150 million movies. There's some of those out right. there, there's no question, but there's not a whole lot. And on those, they're just retreading uh, proven things. They'll do another Batman. They'll do another Star Trek. They'll do another, uh, they're gearing up to do another uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. So um, all that stuff is, those are the ones they know. They have a built-in audience, and, you know, people love Johnny Depp as that character in Pirates, and, you know, so they feel confident about it and the marketing uh, machine behind it. But, uh, you know, these other movies right now, you can look at, like, like big hit shows like House or 24 Again or anything like that, and you see guest stars on there now. These are big-name guest stars. These are movie stars that are getting to do guest spots because, you know, what they want to work. They want to get their faces out there, and they're working for scale. They're not working, they're not getting their rates. And, uh, yeah, I mean they dropped they dropped the uh, the amount of a guest star role uh, severely. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, we look at what you know, after came in and blew that for everybody. If you want to talk about the unions, yeah. I mean after and SAG have to combine. This is just it's idiotic to have two unions, and you know uh-huh. there's two big egos fighting with each other. And after is is the beast that's really killed uh, killed SAG right now, and it's 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 too bad. It's too bad that they just can't merge together. It's just there's not an actor that I know that wants two unions. There's not one, and yet we can't. No, I, I mean it makes perfect sense. Oh, you know, I, I go ahead. No, it's just the whole the whole setup is just insane. But you know, it doesn't change. Well, we I think we government. We we talked about it the last time we were talking. You know, a little bit. I said I think. Um, that it was like 1988. When, yeah, I think we talked about Saban Entertainment. We talked about. I, I could be wrong about it, about it, whether it was our interview, but but I, I think what we talked about at some point about the fact that they were doing non-union uh, when non-union became an alternative in Los Angeles. I mean, there had always been all non-union movies, but I was I was struck by the fact that that one day Nike was casting and they said they just wanted non-union talent, and I was like, when when did this happen? You know how how did how did we go from being you know a, a union run city to to having a non union you know commercials and stuff, and um, I think there was that, and I think also you know the advent of people getting twenty million dollars a movie you know booted everybody back down to scale where you know, producers go we're we're paying Adam Sandler we're paying so and so you know twenty million dollars so you take scale mm-hmm. if you want the part yeah. I, I mean, I guess this is a long way to get around a, a question, which is, is, can you address how things have changed over the years since you've been in the business in, in, in what's got us to this day where, where actors just aren't making the money, you know, and the unions, I mean, the whole actors. I mean, there was, there was a time when the Screen Extras Guild was separate and SAG actors would never do extra work, and now there's SAG extra work. Well, it's, it, it certainly is a, a residual effect of what's going on with the economy as a whole. And, you know, the correction had to happen. It was just insane what was going on here. I mean, we're giving loans to people who are uh, saying that welfare is income. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just right, right. you can't give home loans to people that claim welfare is income. It's just insanity. And that's just one of the many problems that sort of led up to what's going on right now with the economy. And, that, and the, you know, the Hollywood is getting hurt just like anybody else. So it's just sort of... You know, a, a byproduct of what's been going on uh, with with every phase of every you know business is trying to turn a profit. So Hollywood is just in that same bank. But you know, the truth is, record year for movies again. People still want to go to movies. People still want to watch television. I mean, these are things that these are the last things people will really give up. I mean, they, they enjoy going to the mall and going to the movies and walking around and having their popcorn. I enjoy doing that. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the, the, the movie theater will never go away. They can constantly try to change it and put 3D everywhere, which is fine, too. But it's just uh, that stuff's always going to stay there. But certainly the studios know that it's a, it's a, uh, it's a buyer's market. 
you know, right now that if you've got money, you can take advantage of everybody else, and the studio's taking advantage of the actors because they're realizing, okay, everybody's hurting, everybody needs money, everybody's got to pay a mortgage. Uh, the writer's strike was, was, wasn't a smart thing either. That hurt the business as well. The writers should have waited for the actors. We should have combined forces together. And the vast majority of writers I talked to all hated the fact that they went on strike when they went on strike. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we talked to them, and our union talked to them. They said, guys, wait for us. Let's consolidate. Let's get together. And, you know, there's more power in our numbers. And they didn't. And uh, what happened there? Geez, thousands of writers lost their jobs. And the studio just laughed because they were able to write off all of these uh, contracts they had with these people. You know, they had something like 350 to $400 million worth of contracts with these writers. They were able to get rid of all of it, write it all off, keep, keep all that money in their own pocket, they redid the contract, and it cost them like $60 million. So they saved themselves $300-plus million. Amazing, huh? Yeah, it was smart. It was smart, and that's what this whole business is right You know, um, why, like Universal, for instance, why is Universal, why did they move their head accounting firm to Amsterdam? Why is it in Amsterdam? Why, we're not good enough accountants here in America? It's another Excellent. way to hide. It's another way to make you look farther to find out what they're doing with their books, because they all cook their books. I think I've talked about this before. They all say they didn't make any money. If you believe Hollywood, they never make money. They're in the business of goodwill and providing fine entertainment for the world. They're not in it to make a buck. We all know that's bullshit. Pardon my friend. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) We know it is. But that's the game they're playing, and they get away with it because they're not checked by anybody else. They govern themselves, and they get away with it. And uh, It is. It's, fr- it's, it's amazing. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for actors. I mean, you look at another way the business has changed. When I first started doing commercials back in the 80s, commercials paid very, very well. And then mm-hmm. they started coming with the way through the ad agencies, through, through the studios, through whoever they were doing these commercials with. They said, okay, let's say it's cable usage only. Let's say it's regional. Let's say it's this. They come up with different terms to call different commercials, different things to pay, put different pay bases on each one of those terms. Right. All of a sudden, by the time I finished doing commercials back in 92, before I started Hercules, um, the, the, the average commercial, if you're lucky enough to get a national commercial, you're going to make 15, 20, 30 grand off that one commercial a year. Right. Now you're lucky if you make three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 a year. You're lucky if you make that much. They're very, and people go, wow, that's a pretty good payday. Well, $5,000 after taxes, then you say, I've got to pay taxes, you got to pay agent. Pay, and there's not much money left there if you're going to spend it for the whole year. And as an actor, you're lucky if you book one or two commercials a year. You're very lucky. They don't realize, people don't realize the competition out there. You've got hundreds of thousands of actors out here competing for X amount of jobs, and those X amount of jobs are very, very small and in between. The chances of you booking them are, are, are it's just brutal. Small in between and now low pay. Uh, and now low pay. I mean, there's the occasional big one out there. I mean, I'm sure the guy that does the Can You Hear Me Now commercials gets paid mm-hmm. quite well. Jared, the dude from Subway, gets paid quite well. But there's very few recognizable uh, characters and faces now. I mean, the guys on the, uh, the AT&T and, uh, not the AT&T, what is it, the, uh, uh, the Mac and um, commercials. What are those, you know, who's that kid's name? He's an actor, good actor. You know or... It's, it's, it's the guy with the glasses sitting there talking about how great that uh, uh, Apple is compared to Mac. Oh, yeah, and uh, I can't think of it. They're very phone funny. People. They're very recognizable, yeah. And, yeah. and Mac is winning the battle with those commercials. You know, they're just, right. and, um, it's, it's, but, you know, you have those few commercials that do very, very well, and they're paying their actors very, very well. But most of them are not. I mean, you're watching those, those beer commercials on TV during a football game. You'll see very quickly, unless it's a really successful commercial, they're only on the air for like three months. They don't keep them on the air that long anymore. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, the commercial business since I've been here has uh, has almost always been non-union, just like radio stations are mm-hmm. are after-based, but you, you, you'll you never get an after-check out of them if you appear as a guest, and, you know. Um, no, after, yeah. Don't get me going on after. But, <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's a whole other show, I guess. But, yeah, um, it is. There's a whole hour there easily. And, and we could talk about that. I'd love to, and I'm sure our guests would. But um, what I was going to say is, is, is around here in the Midwest, since I've been in the Midwest, everything had been primarily non-union. And in the last month, and this is why I mentioned it earlier, I've seen two things come across my desk where an agent's called me and said, would you do SAG extra work? And I'm like, no, I've never done it. I, you know, I don't, you know, whatever. Anyway, they said, well, it, you know, it, I don't, we don't think it's going to be a 13-week buyout. We think it's a 323. I'm like, I don't even know what that is because I've never done it. 
Well, it turns out that they pay an extra for the day, three hundred twenty-three dollars, mm-hmm. um, to do the shoot. Now, I don't know what they're paying. They're probably paying, you know, scale for the cast, or maybe a little bit above scale for the cast. But I, I, you know, I mean, three hundred twenty-three dollars. But but that's it. I mean, there've been two two in in all the years that I've been here that I'm aware of. So six hundred and forty-six dollars worth of of extra work somebody could have made in the past year, and then less taxes and less agent commission, which here is 20%. So You can fill up your tank with gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just about. You can go to Subway. Okay. Um, so uh, we've got maybe about seven minutes, Kevin, and um, and maybe we should talk a little bit about the, the unions or, or some uh, – or, or going back again, let's just go back to the kind of criteria about selecting a role in terms of this business and, and, and how that has – I guess the economic factors have changed. Well, they they have changed. I mean, I'm, I certainly look at roles. I mean, there's there's some movies I've taken that weren't great scripts, but I mm-hmm. said, you know what? I want to travel there. I want to go there. You know, um, but I think I think I'm always looking at. Okay, do I want to play this character? Do I like the script? Those are my first two main things mm-hmm. that I always look at in a script. Uh, it's it's. It, Writing to me, God bless them. That's the toughest job. It really is. The writers have the toughest, toughest job out there. And um, and you know they get criticized just like everybody else. I get criticized. We all get criticized. You know, we're, I'm in a business that everybody's always looking to tear you down anyway. You know, so mm-hmm. you know, get in this business, just get ready. I mean, I, I love the fact they say, well, you should just have tough skin. You can't have tough skin in this business because, especially as an actor. Uh, it's not about having tough skin because everything in, in your emotions are played on, on, on the outside surface. You have to have your emotions all ready to go at any given time. So it's it's hard when people criticize you, but that's, that's also part of the beast. I mean, there's a lot of jealousy mm-hmm. involved in this business. There's a lot of envy. There's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of backstabbing. Uh, Hollywood is a tough place to make friends. I mean, if you're going to move out here and you're going to pursue a business, you know, pursue this business as an actor, as a writer, as a producer and director, just get ready to to... Do it on your own. You, you you have to make the moves on your own. You have to make the connections on your own. There are very few doors that get open for people because there's always other people that want to close those doors on you all the time. I think there's a lot of people out here, like I think casting directors, you know, probably get mad at me for saying this, but I think there's a lot of casting directors that at once were actors and now they're frustrated actors. And they end up taking a casting director job because it didn't work from as an actor. And so there's 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 a little... You come in and read for a part for them, and maybe you know they're not going to like you. Maybe you're good, and they're not going to like you because you're good. They weren't. I don't know. But you know, this is this is me talking about what other actors talk about behind closed doors because they feel the same thing. I've walked in there and read for movies, and the cast director wouldn't even look up at me. Was playing on his computer while he's reading his lines. He didn't even look at me. I just put my hands on a desk and I said, "You know what? Screw you. I don't need this job." And I walked out. I said, "I don't need to be treated like that as an actor." I mean, actors. It's enough to sit there and battle L.A. traffic to finally right. get to that audition. After you've spent a day, two days, three days, whatever, preparing to read for that person and to walk in there and be treated like crap, it's ridiculous. And there's no reason for that person to be in a position of power doing that to people in this industry. I mean, we, we need, this industry needs everybody to work together. And it's amazing to me how much people don't want to work together because of petty jealousies and envy. It's pathetic, but it happens right. every day in this town. Excellent, excellent points. I, I appreciate that. Uh, just very quickly, I was I was out in Tarzana actually, and I got a call from my agent. This was maybe two two o'clock in the afternoon or something. He said you have to be down at Crossroads of the World. Sure, you know, which off, uh, is, off of uh, uh, huh? That's off there of uh, Sunset. Sunset and Highland or, or Highland, yeah. Or and uh, I said, commercial, well, geez, you know, commercial auditions there. Right, and and this was a Friday afternoon. It was like two thirty, and she's like, "You've got to get down there." And I'm like, "I'm not going to make it with rush hour traffic." She goes, "You have to go. You have to go. You have to go." So I shoot down there. I get there right around five five thirty. I've now spent two and a half three hours on the freeway, and I walked in, and the director looked at me as I walked in, and he said, "Nope, you're not right." No, and I left. I mean, that was it. And I was like, you know, you could at least read me. I mean, you know, and you know what the part was? And I was absolutely not right for it. But it was for the part of Jesus. And I'm like, come on! <laughs> Had I known that, I wouldn't have even gone. Yeah. So uh, See, anyway, I that's that, my. I blame that partly on your agent, you know. To do yeah, that. absolutely. I mean, they should absolutely. be a little more educated at that stuff too. I mean, it's sometimes agents want to feel like they're just being helpful. Look, I right. got you an audition. 
And because I've had that too. I mean, I've had it when I've, you know, when I I, I lived in Santa Monica, I, I slept over to the valley and the traffic over the 405 or the 101, and then you, you walk in, right. you're in and out within minutes sometimes, and then you drive home, and then you get home, and all of a sudden they call you like 20 minutes later. Oh, they need you back at so and so. They need you back. Got to be kidding me. But you know what? I always did it, just like you did. Yep. I got back in the car, yep. and I would slap back over there again. And yeah, because you may book. <laughs> yeah, because you may book. You never know. And it's and it's happened more than once where I did, where I said, I oh, thank thank God I went, you know. But ninety nine percent of the time, it ain't gonna happen. No, and it, no. And it's frustrating. You walk in that room and you're you're ready and you're you feel good and then you just you just go, oh, they didn't like me. Okay. So that's it's it's part of this part of this beast and I knock on wood for you know for for getting my break and making my break and uh you know I'm a 13 year overnight success so yeah right there's exactly. a lot of work involved to get to where I am today and I still have to fight to keep things going because like I said Hollywood has its 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 perceived um ideas of what what each person is and what category they should fit in and if you don't fit in that, it's like, well, no, he can't play that guy because he's an action guy, you know. And then when you finally get in the room and you prove them differently, because I, I think I'm good in the room. I'm very comfortable going into a room with the director, producer when they're all there. I'm, I'm comfortable, and I'm comfortable mm-hmm. to show my, what my, my, my true character is and my personality is, and uh, I show them my professionalism and say, okay. You know, what do you need from this character? What are you guys looking for? Because I have my ideas of it. But, you know, the director and producer is going to have their ideas, and certainly the writer is going to have their ideas as well. And it's always good to ask them when you go into a room, okay, is there some way you want to see me play this? Because I tell them, look, I, I have my ideas, and I'll certainly tell you what I think the character is like, but I want to hear what you guys have to say as well. And, um, you know, I think most of the times they appreciate that. And certainly the writers in the room, he'll have something to say. The director will always have something to say, which is good. Sure. But, uh, you know, it, it's good to show that you know the material, that you read the script. Um, that's, you know, it's part of our business. You have to put in the homework. You have to put in the time to make it uh, worth not only their while, but make it worth your while. You're in this business. Treat it, treat, it, treat it as such. Treat it as a business and get in there and say, this is what I'm doing with my life. And just prove, prove everybody wrong because everybody's going to say you're not going to make it. It's an easy thing to say because most people will not make it. But you just have to have the belief in yourself and just say, screw it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to make it. Right. No, you know, and I and I, what I really respect you for saying that, Kevin. We've got about maybe a minute left. Um, uh, I want to say a couple of things. One is um, there's a big flurry right now on uh, the chat room about people asking when you're going to come back, and I'm putting you on the spot. But would you be willing to come back sometime soon and and continue our discussion? Sure, not a problem. Not a well, problem. that's cool. I mean. You we'll, we'll, uh, I like to talk about how I formed my production company, so I'm sure people want to know about that and the process to go yeah. through how to collect scripts and how to meet with other writers and all that. You know, I mean, In fact, I've got two meetings uh, later this week with, with people that want to uh, uh, add, add their scripts to my little, little cachet of, of other projects that I'm trying to raise money for right now. Awesome. Well, I would love to have you back sooner rather than later, depending on your schedule. We'll talk about that off the air in just a second. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is great. There are um, a lot of people, you know, right now going, yay, and, and cool, and great interview, and, and they're all very pleased. Hey, for those um, people, I, can I get a quick plug here? Yeah, please. For those people in the Orange County area, tomorrow, not tomorrow, December 5th, this Saturday at 10 a.m., I'm going to be at a Q&A event at the Regency South Coast Village Theater. It's in Santa Ana, California. And I'll be appearing there. It's at 10 a.m. in the morning. It'll probably start really around 10.30 or so. But uh, it's open to the public. It's the Regency South Coast Village Theater in Santa Ana. So if anybody wants to come down there, we're doing a big Q&A. And uh, it's with the Screenwriters Association down there. And it should be a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. And if I were in town, I would definitely be there. And I sure appreciate you doing this. And I encourage everyone listening to, to share this interview. It is archived after it goes live. So uh, tell your friends and your industry connect. And, um, and Kevin, uh, I just wanted to say that I, I really respect you for talking about career and about longevity and about what it takes to, to make it in the business because, um, uh, you know, people talk about their 15 seconds of fame and, or 15 minutes of fame, and a career is built on, on working and, and on, on staying on top of, of your own business. Um, 
So thank you so much. And uh, I've got 30 seconds before we close out. Uh, I'm going to give you, again, the last word to say goodbye, and I'll talk to you in a couple of seconds. All right. Well, I, I, I thank you, Rex, for taking the time with me again. I also have a great pleasure in talking with you. I thank all the, uh, the people that tuned in, and uh, I hope that you learned something from me. <laughs> so, oh, uh, absolutely. Rex, uh, email your questions to Rex, and I would come on, and I can maybe be a little more exact with the information people are looking for. And, uh, and go to my website. Go to kevinsorbo.net as well. There's a lot of information on there about coming projects. And, um, yeah, there you go. Cool, yeah, and we're out. Busy. <laughs> and we're out of time. I'm going to call you right back. All right. I, I think I think we just ran the clock out, um, just to make sure that we are off the line when we converse, and then I'll, I'll give you a call right back, and and we'll take it from there. Okay. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Bye.